and welcome to another MLEX podcast. I'm James Panicki, MLEX's Australasian Managing Editor, coming to you from our offices in Melbourne, Australia. Great to have your company today. Well, it was the merger that would have changed the landscape of Australia's telecommunications industry forever. An ambitious deal worth 15 billion Australian dollars, that's 10 billion US, bringing together local telecommunications company TPG Telecom, which was founded by Malaysian-born businessman David Teo, and Vodafone Hutchison Australia, which is the UK-Hong Kong joint venture of those two companies. The merged company would have been large enough to take the fight to the two companies dominating the industry, Telstra and Optus Singtel, or at least that was how the narrative went. Only one thing stood in the way of this storyline, Australia's competition regulator, the Australian Competition and Consumer Commission. And on Wednesday, the merger's prospects came crashing down in the most dramatic way possible, and we'll get onto that in just a moment. Adding to that already combustible scenario was the shadow cast over the deal by an Australian government ban on Chinese technology company Huawei from taking part in the country's 5G rollout. It's the type of regulatory drama that is MLEX's bread and butter, and I'm joined from Sydney by senior correspondent Laurel Henning. Hello, Laurel. Hi, James. Okay, Laurel, walk us through uh, this case, starting from the phone companies involved and what they've been trying to achieve. Sure. So as you mentioned, with this case, we had a homegrown Australian company in TPG and then Vodafone, the UK-Hong Kong joint venture. In terms of market shares, TPG is one of the top three Australian broadband providers. It shares 85% of the market with other operators, Telstra and Singtel Optus. In the mobile market, Vodafone shares 87% of the market with the same two other operators. But in that market, TPG has just 3% of the of market share. So obviously more dominant in broadband than in mobile. And we'll come back to that fact, which has um, become a central point of contention mm. with the party saying that they weren't really competing against uh, each other that much. Now, the companies involved have always argued that the deal would have been great for competition because the merged entity would have had the bulk uh, the, the size to take on Telstra, the former state-owned telecom, uh, as well as Optus. So this merger would have, in fact, fostered competition in their view. But that was kind of in opposition of how Rod Sims, the chairman of the ACCC, saw the deal. So he had said publicly in February that reducing four players to three in a market wasn't necessarily the way to achieve more competition. Um, and even... Later this year, he said there's an excessive bias in Australia towards consolidation in some industries. On Wednesday, the day of the decision itself, Sims said, and I quote, wherever possible, market structures should be settled by the competitive process, not by a merger which results in a market structure that would be subject to little change in the future. This is particularly the case in concentrated sectors such as mobile services in Australia. He went on in that same statement this week to say that TPG has a proven track record as a disruptor in the telecommunications sector, offering cheaper mobile plans with large data allowances and competing strongly against Telstra, Optus and Vodafone, even though it has that small market share. So he seems to think they're well placed to increase that role, that disruptive role in the market. Yes, they love the word disruptive, don't they, regulators? There's nothing that they like more. In fact, um, the strange thing is that when Sims talked to me on Wednesday, uh, he compared the companies to Australia's banks. Now, Australian banks, uh, everyone loves not to disruptive. hate disruptive. <laughs> not disruptive at all, and that is part of the problem. The, the, the banks, um, you know, everyone hates them in the, in, at the moment in Australia. They say that they are great competitors, that four is the perfect number to uh, ensure competition, to bring about competition. But in actual fact, they don't compete very much, Sims 
argues. And I mean, this is the dynamic that we've talked about a lot uh, here in Australia. Uh, The government's top economic advisor, the Productivity Commission, has referred to this phenomenon as accommodative oligopoly, which incidentally is the name of my pet parrot. (laughs) We don't don't see that. I can't. That just that's tickled me. We don't but we don't see that just in um, in banks or indeed we're talking about mobile industry here. But in Australia, that's the same. That's the case. Supermarkets, there are probably two major supermarkets. I think airlines, it's about the same. You've also got a small market here. So how do you... There's a tension there, isn't there? Well, there, there certainly is. And I mean, the the regulator in a market the size of, of... I mean, this is a population of 25 million people. So it's always going to be a very s- small market. Uh, there is an argument to say that, look, there, there might not be that much space for a large supermarket um, to uh, to take on a sort of the role of a, of a third competitor. But it's up to the ACCC and to regulators in general to assess that. Uh, but it is... You're right, it is specifically a problem of a small market. Mm. So back back to TPG Vodafone. The case isn't over um, just yet. We've now got a legal challenge on the horizon in the federal court. Yeah, that's right. TPG and Vodafone yesterday said that they were set to appeal the decision in the federal court. And when I spoke to Sims on Wednesday night, he said... This is an extensive phone call. It, it was a phone call. It was a bit a bit of a surprise. I was in a slightly uh, compromised situation. I wasn't expecting his uh, phone call. Uh, but anyway, he said, look, James, I'm seriously relaxed by the prospect. He, he repeated that phrase several times. Interesting choice of words. Well, well, that's right. I mean, that's that's the Australian style where you're relaxed about everything. Um, now, it might seriously relaxed. Seriously relaxed about everything. Now, look, this might have been a bit of bluster, but uh, the fact that he mentioned it, if nothing else, um, gave me the sense that the ACCC had expecting had been expecting this, this outcome. Yet, uh, you know, the, the moment these things go in front of a court in Australia, the regulator is inevitably on the back foot, no matter what, how relaxed um, the, the top regulator might be. They're on the back foot because the federal court judges tend to have a more conservative approach to assessing the state of play in terms of competition in a market. So, uh, you know, Sims knows this full well. Um, He's referred to it in the past. Uh, When I talked to him on Wednesday, he was quick to mention the 2014 sale of AGL Energy to Macquarie Generation. A painful case for the ACCC. He refers to that a lot. He does. In fact, um, one of our um, uh, Washington, D.C. correspondents covered a speech that Sims made a couple of weeks ago uh, in which he talked about this extensively. I mean, he really went on and on about it. I'm not too sure what the local American audience would have made about that, (laughs) but it is obviously his um, go-to grievance. Uh, And um, he says that the court's decision on that occasion was a mistake that the higher energy prices that we have in Eastern Australia at the moment are a proof that the court made the wrong decision on that. And there are other examples as well. There's a Tabcorp and Tats Tats merger, which was just a couple of years ago. Uh, That was opposed by the regulator, waved through by the federal court. Still, I mean, the fact that this will move to the courts is nonetheless problematic for the for the ACCC. And these previous examples are just a reminder of how problematic the prospect of a federal court uh, judgment on this actually is. Yeah, I was actually reading yesterday a briefing note on the decision, uh, the TPG decision, by law firm Gilbert and Tobin. And their take was this, I'll quote again, legally the case provides an interesting test of whether the theory of potential competition is one that forensically stands up to court scrutiny. To that end, it offers a timely insight into the way in which the courts view the level and nature of the evidence that needs to be obtained before the ACCC ought to be satisfied that a potential future outcome in a dynamic and fast-moving market is sufficiently realistic 
and credible. Now, we've been yeah, talking that about That sounds a lot like recently. something that a lawyer had written yeah. on us. <laughs> Okay, so we've been talking quite a lot recently about this issue. So the the notion of potential competition, albeit more in the context of digital markets. Um, In fact, you're reporting from a competition conference at the Melbourne Law School, I think it was last week, focused on that. That's right. It's this debate over ex-ante assessments of mergers and acquisitions. Obviously, the Latin title is something that was always destined to uh, attract my attention. It just completely unnerves me as soon as I hear Latin. No, no, I love love Latin. I I just can't get enough of it. Um, We've also discussed this in the context of the ACCC's digital platforms inquiry. Now, the logic is this, that digital markets move very fast. So assessments of acquisitions of startups by established digital companies need to be seen as having the potential of limiting competition, not just for for what the landscape is today, but for what it might look like tomorrow. Now, everyone quotes the example of Facebook's acquisition of Instagram, you know, had that not occurred back in whenever it was, 2012, um, would Instagram today be considered a Facebook competitor? Obviously, it wasn't at the time, but would it be today? Blah, 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 you know the story. So now the the ACCC says it already has the powers to make these forward-looking assessments. Um, Everyone agrees that it does have the power to do that under existing legislation. And the TPG assessment is indeed forward-looking in the sense that It is looking uh, forward at the potential of TPG becoming a major player uh, in mobile, which it clearly isn't today. I mean, you just mentioned before. Yeah, it was emphasised by the fact that the current market share is only 3%. 3%, So So if you were to assess it on on what it is today, you would say, look, there, there is no... There is no prospect. There is no um, competition out there. There is no competition issue. But it doesn't really matter what the ACCC thinks, how it goes about this assessment. If the federal court decides that this kind of forward-looking assessment is simply too far out of its comfort zone, well, then it's all over. I mean, the, the ACCC is just going to have to, have to accept the, the court's ruling on this. And now this brings us to the circumstances of the announcement on Wednesday, which was, in fact... A mistake. Yes, it so was. everyone, yeah, everyone watching this deal was ready for it to land later in the week, just a day later, but on Thursday, and that was the date announced by the regulator. Which, in itself, if I recall, that decision was interesting because the, the like the date decision was interesting because TPG was talking about that date before the ACCC had made it public. Yes, I remember at the time that we had to check to check with the ACCC if, in fact, TPG's announcement of a date was correct and they ultimately had to quickly update their um yeah. their website because i think they were at least saying tpg was saying oh it'll be in may at a point when the case file was completely it was just blocked yes, um, that's the right. clock had stopped on it yeah so then here we are on wednesday i was in a meeting with a source you were about to walk out of the door and then we get an alert everyone's caught off guard even the regulator itself, um, because they've put this down to a technical glitch. And this reminds us of another deal earlier in the year where an ACCC decision sort of appeared on the site, disappeared, reappeared. Um, if I'm correct, do you remember that? No, yes, yes, absolutely. I'm trying to remember remember what it was. Was it Knauf? Was it... Um, oh. I think it was a day... There was The last time I recall two decisions on one day was Lockhart um, Energy and, and Origin yeah. and um, Quantum Zenith, yes, I think. Yes, and, yeah. and I remember it, it sort of popped up in our... Our software, our monitoring software picked 
picked it up and it was then it disappeared again. So, I mean, that, that didn't make a big difference because it was just a few minutes ahead of when it should have appeared. Did Stims have something yeah. to say about this when you were having your nice little uh, uh, phone call? No, on no, he day? didn't. In fact, I should have, in our very, very long 15-minute um, <laughs> conversation, I should have mentioned that to him. But, I mean, the, the question, uh, we joke about this, obviously, because it's a bit of, you know, a bit of folklore and amusement uh, in, in an otherwise sort of boring day. But, um, it, you know, the stakes are very high if a regulator anywhere at the world, in fact, I, I'm guessing that regulators around the world are looking at this and saying, oh, you know, there, yeah. for the grace of God, go I, because it is the kind of uh, mistake that it can be very costly. And I mean, whether it's a technical mistake, whether it was a human error, I mean, if it was a human error, let's just hope that the employee responsible for, you know, a publicly listed company losing a billion dollars in value <laughs> is, in fact treated with with fairness understanding and compassion yeah. over if that was weeks. human error just the the feeling in that moment anyway <laughs> i mean it, but at the same time it's kind of hard to know in hindsight now where what would have been different with a thursday announcement instead i mean the decision would have already been made before wednesday um so an extra 24 hours anyway wouldn't have changed that but for trading i imagine it would have mattered let's compare for a minute the difference between Australia, New Zealand. In New Zealand, we get these deadlines from the Commerce Commission, but it's sort of by that date, there will be a decision. So it could happen a week ahead of that. And it often does. We often get sort of a bit surprised by by the Commerce Commission. But in Australia, they very much keep pretty much to, to these set deadlines. So the market's prepared for this. And then it's caught off guard, which I can't think many observers were, were pleased by. And we actually had a European colleague of ours ask us whether, as a result, there would be a chance for TPG to seek damages over its loss in share price. Um, because its shares, we've talked about the, the monetary loss, its shares dropped around 16% on the announcement. But people I've spoken to here on the ground in Sydney say the court dispute over the decision, that could go either way. But in terms of seeking damages over the timing, it's unrealistic, kind of a no-go. As for the deal itself, as I mentioned in my intro, it also got caught up in a global debate about the rollout of 5G. Now, this is an issue which is really about uh, security. It's about geopolitics. It's not about competition. Uh, and we're really talking about espionage. I mean, the fear in many jurisdictions around the world is that Huawei, the company, uh, the Chinese company is too close to the Chinese government. This could pose a security threat. And our subscribers know that we've got a, a global case file on this issue with our EU team in particular doing a lot of good work on this. Yet the issue has played a much uh, larger part in the TPG discussion over the past few days, right? Exactly. So TPG had planned to roll out that mobile network in Australia, um, which would have made it that new entrant into the national market. Um, As we've said, only accounts for 3% of the market at the moment. It had bought bandwidth, it had invested in doing that, and then announced following a government decision to ban Huawei um, technology from taking part in the 5G network, said, oh, that now makes this project too expensive um, because of the cost of technology. So obviously, this is part of that larger global discussion. Um, and it's the first time that that debate, that international debate has now led into or fed into a, into a merger deal. But again, that TPG would never build this network rather than perhaps just delay building this network that's something the regulator wasn't buying. So now we've got a bit of a waiting game. Uh, We've got to see if the federal court upholds the ACCC's decision to block the merger. And will TPG return to its initial plan of rolling out a mobile network? Of course, if the court rules in TPG's favour, that would make the network development decision a moot point. And it could turn out it doesn't really matter what TPG may have done. 
Of course, if the court decision then goes in favour of TPG and the network gets developed, well, where does that leave the ACCC? <laughs> I mean, it leaves the... I've got so many hypotheticals here. <laughs> I, I know, but it, it, uh, I think it leaves the ACCC seething with anger. That is one hypothetical that we can put to bed. Okay. Uh, and for policymakers, it will point to what appeared to be a very different approach to competition law on the part of the ACCC in the federal court. And that could perhaps lead to a clearer policy direction on the issue of ex-ante decisions. Laurel, great talking to you, as always. From the land of the hypothetical, it's been a pleasure. (laughs) Bye-bye. MLEC senior correspondent Laurel Henning speaking to me from Sydney. We'll have a link to the story that Laurel and I wrote on the TPG Vodafone Hutchison deal at our website. Our podcasts here at MLEX cover a wide range of issues with the involvement of our journalists around the world, so feel free to subscribe via iTunes for all of the latest updates. For Laurel Henning and me, James Paniki, thank you very much for your company. I'll see you again soon. Bye for now. Bye.